Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 119. So we're back, girls. What's going on? What's the haps? Hello. Uh, oh, perhaps that I I work for Amazon and I got a five dollar Keurig. So you know what? I guess Bezos is all right sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if he's gonna give you a drag it from Keurig. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking awesome, though. That's a great price. I bought a uh, inflatable adult pool. So that what that really means is I get to like sit in it and have at least um, half of my torso covered in water. So I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's hopefully it's a good one. I mean, I read the review, so um, hopefully it's good. So I'm going to put it under the tree and I'm just going to sit in it and read books while I, you know, uh, survive the summer because it, it's gotten really hot it's gotten yeah. really hot right now it's yeah. a little bit cooler but um it's been getting hot and i just don't want to get caught off guard um but i got a good deal on that inflatable pool so i'm excited oh yeah like i also got a kindle and i'm really excited because it's a thir- it's 32 gigabytes and i'm gonna have all the fucking books on it <laughs> <laughs> so many fucking books that's like, awesome like seriously working at the amazon bookstore is like i i do have self-restraint apparently or else like i would have bought i would have had like 50 books already (laughs) and i was just like you can wait you can wait you can wait and i did i waited for the kindle to go on sale and i got it and now i can finally buy all the books that i want and i'll have them overtake the house again (laughs) that's awesome So, Kristen, you just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday! Yes! Yes. Happy birthday to Kristen! (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I did. And uh, for the first time in a very long time, even pre-COVID, I wasn't going to Disneyland because we got priced the fuck out of annual passes. We got gentrified out of Disneyland. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sad tears. Tears of sadness. Um, yeah, when when the price of the annual passes went up so much that it was over a thousand dollars for us to um, get them, we were like, "Nope, can't do it this year." So it's been a while, and then obviously Disneyland closed, and then uh, when they reopened, they um, they had refunded everybody who had an annual pass during their close down, um, and told everyone that they weren't going to restart the program. Um, and probably it, when they did, it was going to look very different than what it does now. So I had to buy day passes, which I have not had to do in probably close to 20 years. Cause I've wow. had an, an annual pass for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is so different. Um, everything is virtual, uh, digital you, uh, I had to, at seven o'clock in the morning, try to get quote unquote tickets. It was, it's called a boarding pass, but basically for, um, for the two major rides and there's a third that has one too, which is Indiana Jones, but for, uh, rise of the resistance and the new, uh, Avenger campus web slinger ride, you have two chances during the day to get into the ride 7am and 12pm. And at 7am, 
I was there refreshing the app, refreshing because I did all of my due diligence and I researched like how's the best way and all the stuff. And I was doing uh, the uh, refreshing of the app. And right as the clock turned to 7 a.m., it gave me the option, but I had never done it before. And I got nervous and I hesitated. I am not lying. Seconds, literal seconds sold out. Oh my God, no freaking way. Yes, and so I was so upset, but it was my birthday and I had never ridden that ride before because when my our passes originally expired, the land had only been open for one week and I was just so busy with work. I just couldn't get over to Disneyland. So um, I had never ridden it. I'd never been in the, the land or anything. So I was so sad. I was like, oh, my birthday's already ruined and we're not even there yet. <laughs> but um, turns out it wasn't all that bad because when we got there, it really wasn't that crowded. And we were able to just get in the standby line. And the line was not that long. We waited like 35 minutes and we rode the ride. But oh, I don't know bad. if any of any listeners has ever have ever ridden the ride, but they assign so basically the storyline is that you are flying the millennium falcon and you are going on this run to to acquire some stuff i don't even know what it was but um there are five seats in the ride and you're assigned a role so there's two pilots two gunners and an engineer actually six seats there was some one one of them was empty in our ride and we go to get on the ride and we're paired with this family, a mom and dad and a little girl, like a little girl, I would say it was like eight. And the cast member, the Disney cast member was like, who's going to be the pilot? And no one says anything. He's like, how about you, little miss? And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, no, we're going <laughs> to suck. And I and sure enough, <laughs> she couldn't fly the, the thing because the um the ride responds to what you do in in the um, cockpit. Mm-hmm. So she that couldn't cool. fly where she was supposed to go. And so she wasn't able to get us through the mission. And I was I, I felt like like in my mind, I'm not even lying. I already pictured myself throwing my seatbelt <laughs> off and like pushing her out of the chair and being like, Christine. I got this. <laughs> Oh my god. Move, move aside, move aside, little lady. <laughs> oh gosh. And then after we're after the ride ends, the parents are like, you did such a good job, oh. honey. Blah blah blah. And they walk away and I tell Eddie, damn her. Damn that girl. She ruined our ride. <laughs> <laughs> so lesson- like, why do they let children into Disneyland? <laughs> <laughs> so the lesson learned here is if you get a chance to be the captain, be the captain. Right. Don't wait. <laughs> why do they let kids into Disneyland? I love it. <laughs> There's the title. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Jeb? What's up with you? Nothing's uh, going. I, just your Kindle and your Amazon purchases. I love it. Yeah, that's about it. Like I am a slave <laughs> to capitalism. And that's the <laughs> that's the point of this story. <laughs> well, Chris, Kristen, um, sh- your birthday was on a Sunday, which is also Father's Day. Yes. Um, so I didn't 
buy anything for the fathers in my life. My husband's in Nicaragua, so he's basically celebrating nonstop for three three weeks. Um, <laughs> and then my brother, I never know what to shop for him for because he always buys himself everything he wants. And I don't know much about video games and shit, so I just don't wow. know. And my dad, um, he just he's just hard to shop for, period. So what I ended up doing is I cooked um, lengua and chile verde. For those of you guys who don't speak English, uh, Spanish, that's uh, that's cow tongue and green chili. And I made some white rice to uh, complement the meal. And I packed it up and I took it to him. And for my brother, I cooked him um, arroz con chicharos, which is um, what people call Spanish rice with peas and uh, enchiladas de, de pollo, which is chicken and oh that sounds really good and i saw sarah you make me hungry you did not take the peas from the frozen section of the store you did not open a can and put them in. i saw that you made them from the scratch from the freaking dehydrated bag <laughs> well i mean i just thought it would give him a better flavor and the the uh, the thing is that my mom used to make that for my brother Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize he missed it until he mentioned it in, in a, uh, at my dad's birthday. He said, you know what I miss? I miss arroz con chicharos. And I was like, damn, I haven't cooked that shit in, I would say, over 10 years. Oh, wow. So I was, so I was like, you know what? You know, because I'm all about put the rice in the rice cooker and I'm set. You know, 15 minutes, <laughs> you got yourself yeah, some like rice. Spanish rice, you need to, you need to watch mm-hmm. that shit. Like, you need, yeah. you need to keep stirring it and you make sure, you need to make sure <gasps> that it doesn't burn. My right. grandma um, always says, never touch it. She used to always say, never touch it. Don't stir it. <laughs> that, you know, that's, I got that lesson. But after you put in like the jitomate, which is a tomato stuff that uh-huh. you blend plus the water, because lobate, which means it kind of clumps up. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, what you do is you stir it while you're frying it because you have to fry right. it. Right. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And so like, before all this new like kitchen stuff came out, we had like an old sartén where we had to stir it or else it would, it would uh, not, it would yeah. not cook right. Uh, but now mm. that I got this really fancy, well, I want to say fancy, but this nice, nice looking pan with a nice lid that fits it. Um, it was able to dorarse or I guess, what, what would you call dorarse? Like brown evenly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it just, and I used less oil because before we used to use a bunch oh, of nice. oil and then mm. we had to scoop it out before we put the tomato sauce in. So oh, a lot yeah. of that stuff has changed because of the, just, just the stuff that we used to cook the stuff on. And that really mm. makes a difference. Apparently I had no idea, but I, I used like two tablespoons of oil where I used to use like, like half a cup before oh my gosh yeah it's Mm. a total it's a total difference like and I was like really happy to see that this pan made it easier for me to cook it better and with less oil Uh, before we used to have to strain the oil out of the rice (laughs) I mean it's most of the time we got burned it was just crazy but um yeah, yeah I was able to make that I made a bunch of enchiladas so um yes your enchiladas look so good and they Mm -hmm. were delicious um yeah uh, so yeah, I was really proud of myself about that. And I, um, my brother then came home because he went to a barbecue and I said, you know, I made you this for Father's Day. You don't have to eat it now. He waited an hour and then he's like, okay, I'm eating again. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. that, that sounds cool. So um, yeah. And then um, a few days before that, it was my dad's birthday. So we went to have cake at his place. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there was a lot of family thing going on, like 
Um, I went back to the house where we grew up in. I mean, I go frequently, but I was able to like walk in the back. My dad's like redoing the roof again. It's it's just like, it's really cool. It's really cool. So that's what I did. Um, and Frank, I just sent him money. I said, here's 200 bucks. <laughs> have, a good, have a good time. So, uh, but yeah, it was really, really cool. Well, your um, food looked amazing. Even the really lengua. Good. Thinking about that grosses me out. I'm sure it tastes good, <laughs> but seeing it on the plate that way, it looked really good, but I knew what it was. And I was like, <laughs> nope, not for me. <laughs> you know, uh, when I bought it, it's a little bloody. So I'm like washing it and I'm like, oh my God, this is disgusting, but it tastes <laughs> so fucking good. Yeah. So, so like, I don't like looking at the lengua when I buy it or when I'm cooking it, or even when I'm like cutting it, I like kind of like look away as I'm cutting it, which is dangerous. You probably shouldn't do that. But I don't like I the only reason I like lengua is because it tastes good. And so far as like, if I like, if I don't look, look at it while I'm cleaning it while I'm cooking it, and then when I'm cutting it, it's only when I'm eating it. Is it like, I'm just like, ah, yes, this is what this is why I continue eating it because it actually tastes good. Lengua, yeah. sesos, what else? Tripas. No, I eat tripas because I eat menudo. But looking yeah. at it and looking at it raw. Okay, looking like at it does not gross me out. Smelling it when it cooks oh, grosses yeah. me out. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, the lengua, like, you have to you have to remove the layer on top that looks like has a taste bud. So there's little bumps along the tongue. I would have never known that if I tried to cook it. And oh, oh yeah. And also you have to remove the skin while it's hot because it's easy to peel off. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so gross. It is so gross. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like because you cook it and then you take this. Yeah. Then you the, peel the layer off. You yeah. don't peel it. You don't peel it before. No, you don't do that. That's, you have to do it after because it's hot. So it comes off really, like really easily, like a sticker. It's, it's like difficult. a sticker. Yeah. The only, yeah, no, that's, that's a good, like a sticker or a label. Yeah. And, but the only problem is the tip of the tongue. That's the roughest and is the grossest too. Mm. Yeah. But I wanted to take a picture where I put it in my mouth, but the, I was so grossed out. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, no, no, can't do it. W wanted to do it, but can't do it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been in enough food truck lines with people ordering tongue and and brains that i think to myself they must be good but <laughs> yeah. i just can't they are. Bring myself really to do it but i just day, don't like thinking about it yeah one day maybe i i barely tried uh goat I i'm not so. i'm not a fan of goat I, just because of the smell it didn't but, smell like anything really? but yeah I, I don't know why it had a very strong taste so that i knew that it wasn't chicken or beef or pork but the more i thought about it the more i just psyched myself out yeah yeah <laughs> no that's that's like valid it. yeah there's yeah. another thing um um revolcado like i don't like thinking about what's in it but it man does it taste good so what is that it's a guatemalan dish of like it's like uh it's like beef heart like brain and like like um uh, like the like the ears and stuff like that like basically very like cartilage or very like mm. uh kind chewy of like stuff. heavy muscle yeah, yeah chewy stuff and <laughs> it's it's delicious i love it yeah i don't like thinking about what it's made of yeah 
because then I like gross myself out and I'm like, and I can't eat it, which is yeah. a shame because I actually really like it. I had a, a huevos de toro. Uh, huevos de toro is like the balls of a, of a bull. Uh-huh. And I had those in Nicaragua because you're able to get them like at the meat market there. And um, I, I had them like on my honeymoon with Frank and he cooked it. And it oh, was I just... think I remember you saying this because isn't there some kind of like urban legend that if you, you eat, them. eat them on your honeymoon or whatever, that it's some kind of aphrodisiac or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> but the consistency of, of the bull balls was like liver. And so there was a little, a lot of little tubes and I don't know what the fuck they were, but I was just like, I was like, okay, I tried it. Uh, Let's move on. Like, it was just so (laughs) good. It was like, okay, I tried it. Like, I'm not good. And then one time Frank made a heart, beef heart. And I was like, oh, it smells like a beef steak or a steak. And then I bit into it. So <laughs> fucking gross, man. The the ventricles and arteries. I know. Just totally yeah. gross. And he loves that shit. I don't know how he could eat that. Like I do like I like it too. Like I told in that dish, I I like it. I just don't like thinking about it. Yeah. And like it because it like cooks for hours on the stove. By the yeah. time like it's done, it's so like it's, really soft, yeah, and really mm-hmm. tender, and it's not and it's um um and like the, the half the taste is also the sauce itself. If mm-hmm. you get a good sauce and you have like the good like good quality of the meat, then it tastes great. You can immediately tell when it's bad if the sauce is bad or if the meat is bad because that's very obvious when the meat is bad in those types of in, in those types of foods because it's just all like like it doesn't it doesn't taste good. And when no. it doesn't taste good, then it just ruins the entire thing. I feel like this should be an episode of um, what's that period (laughs) network where they I mean, the period podcast where they uh, do uh, apocalyptic cooking. Oh, yeah, that would be so good. Elaine. Elaine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that, you know, that's interesting because like we would have to eat like rats and cockroaches and stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. But in a Latin X flavor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well we'll have to, when Comasi comics visits elaine's we we gotta bring that one can of el pato that we've been hiding <laughs> under our pillow <laughs> for months <laughs> all right guys it's that time Kristen. what time is it well it is La Hora de la Cervecita. And I'm really excited about this because I just learned that there is such a thing as an IPL. I did not know that. The beer I am holding in my hand is an India Pale Lager. And um, before today, I've only had IPAs, which is uh, uh, India Pale Ale. So I looked up on the internet what an IPL is, and basically it's a type of beer that is fermented with lager yeast instead of ale yeast, which I had no idea there was a difference. I, I, I mean, I know there's different varieties of beers. There's lagers, there's ales, there's uh, pilsners, there's stouts, there's, uh, what's the other one? Stout, and what's the other dark one that people like? But anyway... 
but mm-hmm. it does I never really think about how they're made and and the characteristics of each. So this makes me super excited because I was just telling Eddie that um, I'm all about the summer beers. Like mm-hmm. IPAs are not summer beers for me. They're so mm-hmm. heavy. You get drunk really fast. And in the heat, you get drunk even faster. They make you feel full. They make your panza feel heavy. And I just don't enjoy drinking IPAs during the summertime. I change my, my drinking to Pilsners and lagers and, and a lot of uh, Belgians. Mm-hmm, so yeah. um, IPLs are moderately hoppy with a deep amber to dark brown color. So um, it says that it is basically clean with a crisp finish. So that's just a basic overall description of an IPL. But this specific one um, is on the bottom. There is a a date stamp, which was 122320. So this is still uh, a a 2020 beer. I don't know. um, Hopefully it doesn't taint it. (laughs) (laughs) But it says the goat. So I'm assuming assuming this is the greatest of all time IPLs that I'm holding in my hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's from um, the brewery Brewer. Brewer. Can somebody help me with that? <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. It's Brewerage. Brewerage. I know that I am pronouncing that. I would have said. The... Do you know how I would have pronounced this? Hmm. Brauerich. Oh, that's nice. I, like I mean, it's German, a hundred percent. But like, okay, like Wurstkutschi. That that I don't even know. If I, I have no idea how to say that. I, I, that every, day, every time I say it, I say it differently. No, <laughs> this is um, this is the um, restaurant. There's one in downtown, and there's one in Santa Monica that is a um, they do sausages, and it's Verskutsche, something like that. But when I read it, a hundred percent, it says worst coochie to me. So I am not the person. I am not the person to be asking how to worst coochie. I tell people I'm going to the worst coochie ever for dinner. <laughs> well, when I picked this up at uh, Caps and Corks, they pronounce it Breweries West. So I, I'm just going to go with that. Okay. Um, Brewery West. <laughs> Uh, it's day one versus beer volume one. <clears throat> now, I don't know if you guys know who day one song is, but he is a world famous skater. So this is what they said. We teamed up with our great pal, skateboarding legend, nice guy and San, Pe- San Pedro local day one song uh, for this incredible, crushable, dry hopped IPL. Day one wanted to find a way to combine the body of a Pilsner with a hop forward flavor profile. So we set out to accomplish just that. Air walking over your palate and this crisp light-bodied IPL drops in with Citra, YTT, and Vic Secret Hops. Packed, oh, my mouth is watering. Packed with bright citrus, apricot, pineapple, and pine flavors. Oh, my god. A1 versus beer is the AVB 7%. And um, I don't know if you guys know who Daewon Song is. He is a skateboarding legend. He actually, I think his, uh, his family came from uh, Hawaii. And hmm. um, he is a local uh, that grew up in Gardena, California. Oh, 
I think I went to grade school with him because uh, it's reported that he went to 135th Street School. That's an elementary school in um, Gardena, but my, closer to South Central. Uh-huh. And I went to that school up until fifth grade. And he's only one, oh, wow. one year older than I am. Oh. Um, and legend has it <laughs> that mm-hmm. I actually dated, uh, uh, was my boyfriend was a skater and he would constantly say how he would skate with day one at uh-huh. 135th because back in the day, 135th had these little kind of like hills uh, on the side of the black tar uh, um, recess field. And they would like skate up on those and, and then yeah. the benches to grind and stuff like that. It was the 80s. Everyone has a skater in their ex history. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently um, he was um, uh, he was scouted by a, I don't know if it still exists. It was a, a skater shop in Gardena. And then after that, he uh, grew, had more nor- notoriety. And um, then he was picked up and sponsored by other other uh, pe- bigger companies and stuff. And so he's actually, like it says, he is a skateboarding legend. And all I can say is that I think I went to high, uh, ju- uh, not junior, to elementary school with him. <laughs> um, I was a very shy, quiet person. So, um, and I was also a little bit strange. So, um I didn't really make a lot of friends, so I'm, I might have seen him, strange. but I, you know, he might have been like super popular and I just, you know, was too low on the totem pole to notice. But <laughs> as, and the, years, the, the years he went and the years I went coincide. So he must have been like, you know, one year ahead of me or maybe two years ahead of yeah. me. Yeah. But day one. And I do recognize his face and his pictures and stuff, but I can't really for sure say but i'm almost positive because we went to the same years to the elementary school but interesting i, I, I might have met him in passing but i don't really know him but i yeah. feel like day one you know he represents gardena yeah where i was born and raised don't tell people you just met him in passing be like we were bffs we used to we used to sit at the <laughs> lunch table together we would trade desserts out of our lunch pails <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one so- time I went to Lake Tahoe with a group of friends and my best friend and I were standing in this casino when the um, oh, it was not just a casino. It was um, Planet Hollywood and they had a casino in um, Lake Tahoe and the owners of Planet Hollywood, for those of you who probably don't even know because it doesn't exist anymore. Planet Hollywood was like um, the Hard Rock Cafe. Yes. It was oh. the same concept, but instead of music, it was movies and movie stars. And the owners were Demi Moore and um, her husband at the time, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis uh-huh. And uh, a third person that I don't remember, but another like big name actor. Um, and they were there that night, some special at uh, the, the Planet Hollywood, and they were playing craps. And there was a whole like, like a group of security guards, like keeping people from the table. And there was like uh, strings, uh, like caution tape or whatever, you couldn't get close. But we stood there for hours watching them play uh-huh. craps. And that story has evolved into, yeah, remember that time we played craps with Bruce Willis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say, remember that time that I skated with day one? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, actually, back in no, I actually started skating in junior high, so no, I didn't skate with day one in elementary, but um, you know, it's really interesting because he actually was an artist and um, he drew very well, and uh, he actually won some awards for his art, and then and then it somehow it evolved for him. He so like what I'm saying is he's multi-talented and he ended up being a professional skater. Yeah. Um. So that's really cool. And I guess uh, he now, and now lives he's in San Pedro. Maker. And now he brews beer. So that's I'm going awesome. To open mine up. Oh, I already opened mine, girl. And you know it's so. Oh my cool. god! It smells so fruity. It does. I smell the pineapple right off the bat. Yeah, and um, I love the can art uh from this oh, wow. brewery in particular because when they can their beers, um, the They're stickers. Uh, yeah, they're stickers you could put on like anything else. You could peel them off and reuse them, like. And the his stickers are a combination of, um, I guess they're called trucks, which are the wheels from the skateboard. Oh, and, I thought they were donuts. No, and donuts. Oh, yes, yes. So I didn't um, see the trucks. I just saw the donuts. That's yeah. funny. But now I see. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah. And I found out about this, uh, this particular can release from my brother. Compton Eric, uh, because he also skated in his youth and day one was somebody that he looked up to because my brother's several years younger. So um, he's like, oh, you got to get that day one beer. And I'm like, yeah. So I, I missed the release, I thought, at the brewery itself. Um, but then I found it at, at, um, at Caps and Corks. And I was like, oh, my, I almost gasped in Espanol. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, you guys have it. And immediately I like bought four two four packs. So and <laughs> I drank them by myself. And then I, I then I shared them with you guys. So what do you guys think? Well, oh, we made the cut. Yay. <laughs> much appreciated. And I it's delicious. I it love this. I like it. Yeah. Like given that I never even knew it existed, I am pleasantly surprised. I am going to actively search out IPLs from now on. Yeah, it's really like light mm -hmm. and really full of flavor. But yeah, it's, it's like very flavorful. Like it has, it managed to capture that like IPA like um, flavor profile mm -hmm. without the heaviness of yes. the IPA. So it's light, it's pretty refreshing, and it's intensely flavorful without being too hoppy either because it has that lager taste as well so it's it's a really really good i really like it It really is i i like it a lot and it was pineapple and what was the other one apricot yes pineapple apricot and i think some citrus oh. as well and some pine flavors too um, i am not a fan of pine flavor in my beer that was like a big like hype thing a couple of years ago and I tried it and I was not a fan, but luckily I do not taste it in this beer. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It does have apricot. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. but, you, can, um, you can definitely taste, you can taste the pineapple and you can taste the apricot because the, the pineapple has a very like specific kind of um, sweetness to it that you can kind of taste. But uh, apricot, what I really like about apricots is that, um, I don't know, really know how to describe their flavor besides like to me apricots taste fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, like, um, that's there, that's the best explanation that I can have for an apricot. Uh -huh. I like I like them, but uh -huh. like the like if I had to if you ask me what they taste like, 
I'd be like, it tastes fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. And the, the, and I, I can I can taste that in the beer as I'm drinking it. And like uh-huh. it's like like I like apricots, but I don't know why. To me, the the, the description that, like for the flavor of an apricot is fuzzy. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I I um you know to be completely honest, like I got the two packs and one of them I shared with you guys and then I proceeded to drink my um my can that I was supposed to wait for the podcast <laughs> review and so then I went back to uh Caps and Corps Corks and then I was like oh my god you guys ran out oh my god so then the guys like well, what does it look like? And I said, well, it has like donuts and some like skateboarding, um, skate wheels and stuff, some trucks. And then he's like, well, let me look in the back. So he went, thankfully he went to the back and looked and uh, he found me a four pack. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Really nice. I was like, thank you so much for taking the time to actually look for this because I'm like, I goofed and I drank my beer and I thought I, I had goofed. to go to. I, 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 <laughs> like it was an accident. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh shoot, I have to I have to now go hunt it down in San Pedro. And uh-huh. I was like, oh no. But he found it and I was like, he, he was like, oh, who's this from? And then he's like, uh, oh, okay, I know that brewery. And I was like, yeah, man, that's that day one song. And he's like, wait a minute, day one song, the skater. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh my God, why didn't I know about this? And I'm like, is there any extra back there? Because you better taste it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you gotta you, you gotta taste it, or if not, order more. So yeah. But yeah, he was like really pleasantly surprised. He's like, "Oh my god, day one!" Yeah, How long escape. ago was this? Because I'm contemplating going and seeing if they have any more. I think this was two weeks ago. Road trip oh, to yeah. San Pedro. It's road trip to San Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We used to go to San Pedro all the time, and uh, because we would do yard sailing, um, and we went out there a couple of times. They have a very like. Uh, it's probably not like that anymore. It's probably all hipsterish now. But there's, I think it was Sixth Street, had like a very counterculture yes. feel to me. Yeah, with the, with they had the string lights across the street, uh-huh. um, where the, where the theater was. That okay, street. it's so, it's so funny that you say you used to go to San Pedro a lot because my family used to go out to San Pedro a lot too when I was a kid. We would go for seafood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, went a couple would- of times with my friends. Mm-hmm. I would just eat the bread and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah my parents love loved oysters that's actually how i learned to eat oysters was in San oh yeah they would always have them there and i never yeah, they... understand the concept of oysters though because mm. you're literally just they're like swallow it don't chew it don't taste it just swallow it i'm like what's the point then no, the point I... is oh the God, lemon I'm... and the salt and the tapatio that goes mm-hmm. into the juice oh yeah it's so delicious yeah, i'll just drink a cup of that then yeah that's actually when i was when i was when i was a little kid that's all i could manage because i could not swallow them so Uh i would just i would just like sip the juice yeah uh, and they had uh lemon salt and tapatio and then i'd give the oyster to my dad (laughs) oh no my dad didn't care he chewed i went once to well not once i went a couple of times where they do the the shrimp fry which was the shrimp and potatoes and yeah peppers that, and that big, the big yeah. thing of bread the big platter yeah yeah um and watching people tear the heads and legs off of shrimp i just could not do it it really really <laughs> <just> gross <laughs> i'm like i do not want to behead 
my sure, food yeah. before I eat it. Like I pay someone to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, one yeah. time um, we took uh, Jacob when he was like, I don't know, he was like five. We took him to down to like where the tide pools are and everything. Mm-hmm. We hiked and he rode his tricycle and we had a little uh, we just walked and walked and walked on along the rocks and everything. And so we spent the whole day there. And by the end of it, he was super hungry. Mm-hmm. So then I decided to just go winding down the road and we ended up in San Pedro. So we were in Palos Verdes. We ended up in San Pedro. And um, I was like, okay, Jacob needs to pee and I'm starving. <laughs> so we ended up in San Pedro where they serve those big pl- pl- mm-hmm. plates of shrimp and, you know, everything. And so Jacob was also hungry. He just didn't say anything. And so we ended up ordering a big plate with the fish, like the fish right on top. Yeah. And um, to get him to eat it, I said, oh, my God, this chicken is delicious. This chicken is great. This chicken. <laughs> so he didn't like fish or shrimp? Well, we didn't uh, we didn't tell him it was fish because we were afraid he wasn't going to eat it. And it's such yeah. a big plate. We wanted all to eat it together. That yeah. big old fish is right there. Yeah. 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 And so there's a picture of us, uh, me and Jacob just tearing at the fish, just eating it. And like, um, the cool thing is, well, now he sees the picture. He's like, I eat fish. I'm like, yes, you eat fish, honey. He doesn't eat it now. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He's like, no, I don't like it. He he doesn't even like sushi, but, um, I know. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it just is so suggests. So just, Oh my God, this beer is getting to me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so like he, how I remember we have pictures of him tearing into the food. Like he just didn't eat the potatoes or the fries. He, or the, (laughs) you know, he ate the fish. We were like eating with our hands. It was like super cool. Kids are very suggestible. My, um, my friend got my godson to eat asparagus by telling him they were dragon's tails. (gasps) Oh my God, that's super cute. Oh my, I love that. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, I have fond memories about San Pedro. So um, yeah, that place gets really crowded. So I closed it during COVID. Um, they used to have yeah. mariachis. They yeah. have like uh, buckets of beer that you can drink. And it's, uh, you know, you it's uh, you kind of find your seating and you're fighting with seagulls. Yeah. Because they're, they're used <laughs> to like getting all the food there. Um, and it smells of fish because it's kind of a little bit dirty. But yep. that's what you love about it. That's and um, yep. yeah. Yep. So, but there used uh, to be oh lots of cool shops and yeah. like little yeah, rides, yeah. and but none of that stuff is there anymore. I know it's kind of sad. But are we ready to rate the beer? Yes, yeah. we are. So uh, as a reminder to the listeners, our rating scale is a five-point scale with one being flaccid two initial, three partial, a four out of five is a full, and a five out of five is rigid. And when it is off the charts, amazing, and we cannot get enough, that is super saiyan. So I am going to start, this is Kristen, and I am going to give this a rigid. I'm going to give this a five out of five. (laughs) I'm giving it points because it is my introduction to IPLs and it was so good. I love it so much. Um, it makes me want to go buy more of this one specifically, but also search out other ones so that I can try them as well. Um, I am very super excited to even discover that uh, IPLs exist. So I'm giving it a five out of five. You know, this is Sarah and I am also giving it a five out of five. Um. I love the can art. 
Um, but you're right. Uh, I've never had an IPL and having this for the first time and it really knocking it out of the park. Um, I love the fact that um, I've had this super cold and it's really delicious, but this, this has been sitting in front of me for a little while and for it to get a little bit more room temperature and holding more flavor than it does when it's straight out of the refrigerator is fucking impressive as fuck um i really love um the aftertaste it's very citrus and and pineapple based so um and the pine i think the pine comes out when you kind of burp a little bit but it's not really it's not it's not aggressive it's not aggressive um it's a beautiful marriage of all these flavors and and again I'm not a lager person, but I may be a convert today. This is fucking delicious as fuck. <laughs> so rigid it is for me. I love it. I love it. Love it. And I can't wait to reuse these stickers because I have a folder that I'm very excited to just plaster these stickers on. So I'm saying what I'm saying, guys, is a road trip to San Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, yeah, Jen? And I'm going to give it a rigid as well, a five out of five. Because it's really, it's really good. Honestly, that first sip really took me by surprise because I was expecting kind of like more of that really strong IPA like heaviness to set in. But I think this captures like the best parts about an IPA and mm -hmm. also the best parts about the lager in that it's light and refreshing, but it's also the, I, like as much as I like uh, bash on IPAs, they do have very deaf, uh, very in-depth complex flavors. And I think this does a good job of bringing the best out of both, uh, both styles. Yeah. I keep taking drinks and I taste that IPA in the beginning and I keep bracing myself for that hoppy aftertaste and it never comes. And you're right, Sarah, the, what I do taste in the aftertaste is a hint of the pine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So that was our beer review. Rigids all around. Circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, it's now time for Chisme de la Semana. And I got some Chisme today, girls. So it turns out that uh, actor, writer, producer, director, and executive Issa Rae is now part of the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel as Spider-Woman. I am yes! so... Oh, my God. Yes. I'm so excited. I love her. I love her. She's so dynamic and such a... I, I just love her personality. And I, um, she's actually the writer and producer of Insecure as her show on HBO Max. And um, she has joined this... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as Jessica Drew, better known as Spider-Woman. So I'm super excited. Um, do you guys know much about Spider-Woman? Um, I think the only thing I remember of her was uh, during the like 1980s um, Super Friends cartoon. I believe she was. Oh, my God. Eddie and I started re-watching that cartoon on Hulu. Was it Hulu? No, on DC, uh, Disney Plus streaming. Okay. Okay. Because we were we were waiting for something else to start, and I was I wanted to start watching it. It is so freaking sexist and misogynistic <laughs> and like cringy. Oh my god! But we could not stop watching. It. <laughs> oh my god! I totally get it though. I totally get it. You know, oh some god. of this stuff does not age well at all. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it but, does but, not. But we, you know, we who grew up with it kind of still kind of get through it. Like, for instance, I try to watch Thundercats, but Snarf, I just can't. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I just can't. Snarf? Snarf? That's snarf. the name? Snarf, yeah. that little The little yeah. cat, yeah. Uh-huh. The little, yeah. And all he does is Snarf, 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 and talks and Snarf, Snarf, Snarf. And the same thing goes with Power Rangers. Or, or, uh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, He-Man, Oracle. Can't stand Oracle. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is so annoying. But yeah, <laughs> there, there's these, uh, yeah, or um, God, um, the Power Rangers. I think the first installment of the Power Rangers in, in the US, they had that guy, uh, I forgot what his name was, but he he would always say, ay, yeah, 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 yeah. Alpha? <laughs> Alpha. Oh my God, I can't stand him. <laughs> How fucking dare you? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> 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 but seriously. Honestly, come on. Ay, yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over and over again. Was that because he was Latino? <laughs> was he? He's a robot. Oh, I don't know. I don't I never watched Power Rangers. No, was he a Latino robot? <laughs> a Latino robot? You know maybe? What? Yeah, he did enough worrying that he could have been a Latino parent. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Probably. I I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. So I'm just really excited about her uh, voicing Spider-Woman. Uh, Ray has said that she has loved everything Spider-Man related since the third grade. Oh, she's nice. loved Spider-Man, comic books, memorabilia, everything. So she's a fan of Spider-Man. So I'm really excited about this. Um, I also wanted to let you guys know that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel is um scheduled to debut in october 7th on 2022 so we got a ways to go but i'm excited that they cast her because i freaking love her and if you don't know who she is go watch insecure on hbo max because she's fire i like when i saw her (laughs) and i know she's like super younger than me but like i wanted to grow up to be her like (laughs) (laughs) well i wanted to just mention that when you asked do do uh, we know anything about Spider-Woman? The Spider-Woman that I know about is the Spider-Woman um, who was written within the last 10 or so years by Dennis Hopeless. Uh, and the penciler is actually Javier Rodriguez. Uh, and the inker is Alvaro Lopez. But this is the story of Jessica, who is pregnant. And mm-hmm. she is basically... We open to this brand new number one of a Jessica who's pregnant, but nobody knows how she got pregnant, who the dad is. And she is not telling anyone. She's like, this is my business, not yours. But the storylines that follow, I followed this all the way to the end where her and the um, my my uh, the the person I stand her with what got together finally. And I was so excited about it. But this here is some of the best writing some of the best um storylines that i've seen dealing with women superheroes and motherhood and there are some of the issues that are just amazingly done i love it so much i recommend it um if you haven't read it the very first uh um the very first trade would be baby talk uh and you can um 
you can find it at your your LCS. But I just love it so much. And I don't know what Jessica is going to be in uh, into the Spider-Verse. But just from that storyline alone and, and that run of Spider-Woman, I just really love that character so much. Yeah. You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because honestly, now, now I'm thinking about it. We don't have many uh, superheroes that ha- are mothers mm-hmm. or parents. So um, I think that's a really great vein to tap into. I mean, because the the dynamic of being a parent and then having the responsibility of having like superpowers or mutant abilities or whatnot, and then having to be a superhero and try to save the world or whatever like that's really valid and really important as well yeah Um, and in this instance she's a single mother and so her trying to uh really balance being spider woman being a single mom and just really i don't know what she does for a day job i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't remember but all of that stuff is very um very poignant um, to even mothers who don't have the additional burden of having to don uh, a lycra suit and save people's lives. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, it goes without saying that motherhood is a superhero um, uh, job in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that that series was really good. And I remember when it first came out, they drew a lot of, um, uh, backlash one from guys who were just so like I want my sexy superhero back I don't want to like see this gross pregnant lady mm-hmm. and from other side of fans of people who, who saw it they were just like Jessica doesn't like kids like why are they giving her the, why are they forcing motherhood upon her and stuff like that and they're just like what if she doesn't want to be a mom and, and so it drew a lot of but when I actually read it it was very well written it was very well done and very well researched and it's obviously by someone who like either knows or was with or their partner had like mm-hmm. was pregnant and yeah. they went through the prenatal and the and the postnatal care of kids and stuff like that and it was it was really it was done really really well and i believe like like we do eventually find out like it's like a big reveal or not yeah. even like uh, but yeah it was but it was like it, when it was done it was so it was very poignant and above all else like what you kind of learned not to spoil anything but jessica did it for herself like mm-hmm. that's what above all else i think the real the message of the comic book was just all like motherhood is your choice mm-hmm. and i really like that and i think it was it was well done and it was well written and i also did like a, who jessica ended up with i thought yeah. it was really cute <laughs> yeah me too it was so cute it makes me want to go back and read it, but I'm really interested to know like what her storyline is going to be. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I, hope I she has a kid. I know, I know me too. Me I'm too. a big fan of of her character. So which is also why I went back and started watching <laughs> <laughs> But even through the sexism and misogyny, she still was like I find it very, very um interesting how creators are able to retain the the over the years and decades the basic characteristic and personality of superheroes through uh the years of writing like if you read spider-man like he's been quippy and like smart assy and whatever from the very beginning 
Mm-hmm. And when you're reading Spider-Man, no matter who writes him, they always incorporate that into the, the personality the and the character. Yes, mm-hmm. the personality. And I, I very, very, I love being able to go across different creators, but still retain the personality of the of the character I'm reading. The essence of the character. Yes. That's really good. And that's usually when you can tell bad comic series is when they don't retain that. Which is why I hated when Captain Marvel in Silver War was being the way she was being. I'm like, I don't, this doesn't jive with me. This isn't, this isn't the Captain America I've read. I don't feel like this is what she would say and how she would act. And I got very annoyed with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I feel that. That's why I stopped reading it halfway and I was just like, I think I'm yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And even like any, I did read the end. Like I, I like forced myself to read the end. And in the end, I was just like, no, I like, I think you just botched your character. I think you just yep. like, we're doing your best to character assassinate mm-hmm. to, uh, mm-hmm. this uh, Captain Marvel. And yep. I just, I didn't jive with it either. I don't remember so, who wrote it, but I remember thinking the same thing. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, I think like the epitome right now of events like to be is Spider-Verse. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so that excited one, for that. That one's good. Yeah. It's been a while, like it was a but mess, I cannot But wait. it was a good mess. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was, oh my God. The, just the, the fact that I wasn't sure if I was right side up. And the art was just so amazing that it just like guided me through this like upside down perspective of am I even sitting upright? Should I be sideways? Should I be lying down? I mean, that was just amazing. The artwork just was like freaking amazing. So I'm I mean, excited. The art, the soundtrack, oh yeah, the storyline, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, I cried so many times in that movie in places that I wasn't expecting to actually be crying. I mean, I just the simple fact that the dad goes on the freaking PA of his squad car to say, <laughs> I love you. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> super embarrassing. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so, such a thing that I would do to Jacob and that my mom <laughs> would do to me. I know. I know. <laughs> I, it's such a Latinx thing. Like, oh, my God. I loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, when I was saying Spider-Verse, I meant the comic series Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not the movie. The movie was absolutely great. That was not a mess. That was a masterpiece. I have the big (laughs) thing back here behind me and I keep trying to, I guess that if I'm not going to sit down and read something during a pandemic where I have nowhere to go and nothing to do, I'm never going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing Reptile. We're only reviewing issue number one. Um, I believe issue two is out. I don't think so. Is it? It's a monthly. So I don't know. I'll have to look. But um, Reptile is written by uh blas what's his terry blas terry. terry i know it was a t um and this is the story of umberto what's his last name lopez lopez yes umberto lopez and he is reptile he is um the son of two 
uh, I'll say philanthropist. Not philanthropist. What's the people, the dinosaur people? Paleontologists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could have been philanthropists as well. But anyway, he's the son of uh, two paleontologists who, while on a dig, find this like medallion that gives him this um, special power to be able to transform into any dinosaur ever, which is he even says here in the in the book, which is like every kid's dream. Right. Like, I think everybody as a child or young uh, elementary school kid goes through this phase of just being fascinated with dinosaurs. And so. Uh, let me just interject right here. Yeah. When I saw those people wearing those costumes, those blow up uh, T-Rex costumes uh-huh. as a 40 year old woman, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to have one. So it's not just kids. Yeah. I want to be a dinosaur as well. <laughs> when I saw the claws on the velociraptors in Jurassic Park, the movies, I just wanted to be a velociraptor. That's funny. So it's not just kids. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, yeah, when Jurassic Park first came out, um, that, I think, renewed a lot of that childhood, like, awe of dinosaurs into many adults as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so Umberto, um, unfortunately, um, suffers a loss of his parents who go on this dig but never come back. And so he is, um, in turn taken to go live with his grandfather who um, starts to become ill and takes him to go live with a um, an uncle no a, an, an aunt, aunt. sorry her an name aunt. is Gloria they call her glow glow um, and so that is in order to help take care of his grandfather who is getting sick um, and also to be able to support Umberto in the loss of his parents and Dia Glow lives in Los Angeles. And so that is one of the really cool things I enjoyed about this comic is all of the cool um, iconic places that they visit when um, he first comes to the city. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy uh, how they depict it. One of the places they go is Santee Alley. And if you don't know Santee Alley, um, you don't know uh, downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> um, it, it is part of the fashion district where you can go buy yourselves some Nikes instead of Nikes for $20. <laughs> oh, I, I love that place. You can go-, go buy like knockoff of everything you, yes. your little heart would ever desire. Um, and it's just, not only that, one of the cool things that I liked about when they went to visit is all the little cart, um, food carts. Yes. Um, they bought paletas. Um, there was a churros, taco stand, tacos. churros. I mean, so much um, realism, re- re- realistic depiction of what Santi Alley is really like. And I really, really enjoyed that a lot. But so the story. You also line, call it Los Callejones. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. that's, that's how a, I like, like that's, that's how I know. That's them. how you know you're a real one. Is yeah. You call it Los Callejones, not Santi yeah. Alley. <laughs> yeah, I, like for a while, I was like, what's Santi Alley? And I was like, oh, Los Callejones. <laughs> I was like, okay, Los Callejones is basically um, 
it, it roughly the translates alleys. to yeah. the alleys. Yeah, yeah. Alleys, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but that's I, uh, because all the alleys there are markets. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's it's oh my god, it's it's a whole different experience. If you guys come to LA, you gotta go walk Los Callejones or Santi Alley and mm-hmm. have a churro or have a raspado or have a paleta or whatever or a bionico, whatever. Like oh yeah, so much to mm-hmm. eat there. You go. Just go on an empty stomach is all I recommend. But <laughs> I love how the characters describe Santi Alley as the Mexican Disneyland. Yeah. And, yeah. just, and like having seen pictures of Kristen Bain in Disneyland just recently, I just was like, oh, my God, I totally want to go to Los Callejones and just, just be like a tourist. Just be like, oh, my God, I'm going to get the magoniada. Oh, my God, I'm going to get. The I was going to say, and to be honest with you, all the food that I was excited about eating at Disneyland, I could have bought in downtown L.A. for a fraction of the price. And it probably would have been uh, like 10 times better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And a bacon wrapped hot dog. Ex- yeah. Oh my girl, I ate and you I know, and you're now just that saying that it makes me hungry yeah. again. No, now that you mentioned it, yeah, like Disneyland is like literally just Los Callejones, but gentrified. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that mango drink you had in, in Disneyland? It was a mango pineapple swirl um with chamoy and tahin and um fresh fruit. So you had a mangoniada. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very, uh, it was very limey at the bottom. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, but um, so we see uh, Grandpa Vic. Uh, he's showing up at Tia Gloria's house. Tia Gloria is a doctor. And uh, she has two, a son and a daughter that are twins. Then uh, it's Ava, the girl, and um, Julian, the son, and they're twins. They're fraternal twins. Julian is a vlogger. Mm-hmm. And um, I get the sensation that he might be queer. So I really yes, love him. Yes, me too. Him. Me too. And um, Ava, she's an overachiever. So, you know, she's just doing everything like school, you know, school driven. Um, but what I really, really love is those little details in the story. So you see, um, you see, ben, they call him Benito, but his name is Humberto Lopez. They call him Benito or Ben. Uh, Benito, he is wearing, like when he arrives, he's wearing a Selena Los Dinos sweatshirt. I love that so much. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I was just listening to Selena when I was, like, taking a shower and dancing in the tub. So, I mean, it's just, like, there's a lot of Latinidad in this. And I really love the fact that they have a lot of, like, Spanish dialogue that they don't they hold don't back translate on. yes and they don't mm-hmm. hold back on it i mean yeah. you know it's like you know not like um just that one word they put in like the whole story i mean there are literally like sentences and stuff that is really relevant to the story so i really really love that um there's one of my favorite parts guys is when he is in they're in the alley and it's the three of them the cousins and um benito and they order some tacos now you would think they, they would order like regular tacos, like asada or whatever, but no, they order the basket tacos, which basically is like taquitos, but they're made of potato and you could basically like put like, um, okay, I'm like getting hungry again, but you could put lettuce and cream and salsa on it. So they come like, they usually sell them by threes and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he they come up to order, make their order, the, the guy, the, the vendor of the tacos is like, ¿Qué onda, güero? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> like I love it. Uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> so, and that's definitely something they say. Or güerita, or que le damos güerita, or you know, like uh-huh. it's it's always like that little kind of slang. Or in my they... case, que onda gordita. Que le damos. Or oye morena. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and just in you talking about that and just saying cousins over and over again, I feel like it's important to really highlight the fact that cousins is a big thing in Latino culture. Like oh, yeah. everyone has tons of cousins and you're always hanging out and family is well, just like. Yeah, it, it's just that's what you do. And like my mom was an only child, but her cousins had children and those were my cousins. And I grew up with them when we hung out all the time. And that's just mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure other cultures and ethnicities, you know, have cousins and they have whatever. But there is a feel to it. It's a vibe with mm-hmm. Latino it is a vibe. cousins. Even like uh, the people who I call my cousins, we're not blood related, but we grew up together like how like right. you know cousins would be so we call i just i just call them my cousins my yeah. primos, my primas, mm-hmm. and stuff like that so it's just but it's definitely a vibe mm-hmm. that that it is and like and like and i did i love i love them like family so it's um uh like reading uh seeing that you know, depicted in uh the book was really nice and it was it was just it was so hispanic mm-hmm. and that it just like it it was very heartwarming to me and i realized that i we haven't really read something like that from marvel because a lot of the representation from marvel is usually very very surface mm-hmm. they're just like oh they're latinx and or like, they're in new york which we are they really in relate new york? To because they're not really mexican they're dominican or puerto rican or you mm-hmm. know so it which is like yeah like it is it is a form of latinidad and, and latin identity and we should we do share some stuff but it's also just not it's not la right latin identity yeah. which is like it's very heavy um, uh, very heavily mexican influence mm-hmm. i mean just the fact that that's where they went like makes mm-hmm. me so thankful that there was a latino writing this story like there could have been someone writing the story that moved him to Los Angeles for whatever reason, but that's as far as it went. And then he went to Disneyland or he went to Universal Studios or whatever, but taking him to such an iconic place where you walk down the street and not only are there Latinos working there, but there's Latinos just walking up and down the alley shopping and just enjoying their day. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's, it is such a, an amazing thing for me to be able to see all of this all wrapped up together in a big two comic. So I'm very thankful that Terry was able to um, to take on this character and to uh, to do what he's doing with him. And I I loved the story so much. And I mean, the, the story starts out by telling you background of how Umberto start uh joined the uh young was it young avengers no it was another, no, avengers academy avengers academy that's mm-hmm. right um because they thought he and a whole bunch of other um superhero young superheroes joined because they thought that they were training to become avengers mm-hmm. but turns out they were only recruited because um the avengers or somebody in the high up 
had identified them as being most likely to turn into a villain. And yep. so, I mean, imagine they were profiled. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were profiled. Yep. Imagine that being and it, and it a young so- teenager with these powers and finding out that someone thinks that you are just basically dirt. Not only that, yeah. it hurt. It hurts a little more because he's a he is a he's a superhero of of uh, that is brown. So that just mm-hmm. makes me that just kind of makes the wound a little bit like you just pour salt on the wound why don't you you know yeah like mm-hmm. it just it just really kind of got me mad a, li- a little bit um i also love how they explain about cradle uh c-r-a-d-l-e that was enforced by um uh, kamala's law mm-hmm. and where they decided that it was it's now law they decided that Unless you have a mentor, an adult mentor, you cannot use your powers as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to respect the law. We see that he's being respectful of the law, but there are circumstances that are making him use his power, even though it's illegal. Yeah. So um, that's kind of like what you get into this in this first issue. There's a, a lot of action towards the end of it. So I was like really... Re- I'm really interested in seeing how this goes. And the art, I just got to say, the art is really great. Um, mm-hmm. When you see him transform, I really love those action sequences because he has the big big tail that he uses. Yeah. And I thought that was really amazing. I thought the the you know, the movement of the characters in battle is really, really cool. I really, really enjoy that. Um, I like, it, it has a little kind of like... Um, He's a little bit kind of funny as well because there's a point where he's like going into like a fight with somebody and he's like, you know, I it's been a long time since I had authentic tacos and you ruined that. You're so I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's so, something I would say like, how dare I know, you? Me too. Interrupt I'm like, seriously, me. I'm eating. Can we do this later? <laughs> like, can I just Honestly, like, like, that was the most real like because I like, I am the rudest and the meanest when I'm interrupted eating. Oh yeah. <laughs> like cuz like don't bug me. Like like don't bug me when I'm eating. You yeah. you're gonna upset me and then we're all gonna be upset. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm bringing you down I'm with me. I'm gonna be mean about it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other aspects that I felt was really like latin driven, latinidad and like was um the fact that Vic the grandfather is sick, but he doesn't share any of the details with the cousins or Benito. Mm-hmm. Um he doesn't tell them what he has. He they just know that he's sick and yeah. nobody wants to talk about it, especially him. Yeah. And that's something that a Latin like a Mexican family would do. Like, you know, like don't worry about it. Like, you know, I'm sick. So what? Like and so you can't move forward and helping them with their medication. You can't move forward and maybe modifying their diet with them or any yeah. of that. Like they're so like they just want to go into the island by themselves and just like survive it. In like, so many instances, not just sickness, but in financial uh, violence, domestic yeah. violence or yeah, financial. It's always you are t- you're taught to bear your own cross. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's and very, that is like yes, you suffer in silence. Exactly. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I know this very well. Oh yes, and we all it's, do. This. It's something I still practice, even <laughs> though I know it's not healthy. Yeah. And I'm just all like, oh well. 
but um, no, it, but, but it's freaking true though. That that was that's something that really, really just hit me. Like reading it on a comic book page, I was like, "This is revolutionary for me because I've seen it so much in all in all of our families." Like, it's like you know, you know, it's only just now that people are starting to share. Like, I was diagnosed with this, and yeah. you know, like just, but. Even like 10 years ago, nobody's going to share that information at all. Like next thing I mean, you know, like in a, in, yeah, in a five year, in a, in a reunion, a family reunion, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, you know, they were diagnosed with breast cancer. It's like, what the hell? Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or <clears throat> they have diabetes or it's like, what the hell? Why does nobody tell us? Like you were like, here, have another oh, beer. The, but the you respond- know. <laughs> I can tell you perfectly what the response is. It was just like. We didn't want you to worry needlessly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not like, gonna push. What do you mean? I know I'm not gonna push you to drink another beer if I know you're diabetic. Hello, or like <laughs> you know, like come on, work with me. I'm not gonna bring that fruit salad either. Like, come on, like we need to know. Like, I feel like, but I feel like this was like a perfect depiction of a Latin Mexican family. Like, I, I, I mm. felt this, and it was so subtle in the writing, but it just came across so strong, and that's what mm. I loved about it. And, and I think it's really good. And this is an all Latino team, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Like, that's that's also incredible because honestly, I didn't think Marvel hired <laughs> like this many people that they could make a comic. <laughs> I thought well, they just had like one token uh Hispanic writer that that wrote everything. <laughs> that wrote everything. Yeah. Like they're making Tanahasi coats do. Yeah, I mean Marvel has really done their part this year with their Marvel Voices um anthology series. Um there was Marvel Voices with uh uh, all women characters. There was Marvel voices with black characters. There was Marvel voices with um, Asian Pacific Islander. Um, there was Marvel voices with um, Native American. Uh, I don't know if they've done Latin X. I don't feel mm. like I remember it, but maybe it's coming. <laughs> um, but they're really. Uh, and they're doing pride covers um as dc is as well but um i feel like they're really um doing i want to say due diligence but they're really upping their game i mean in in all aspects uh, there's always more that can be done but the fact that they are um highlighting these characters of diverse backgrounds um, is definitely something to for me to be happy and excited about because for the most part they're all, uh, diverse characters are always just ancillary characters and never the main character mm-hmm. um, and we're starting to see that change a lot more so um, and of course there's always backlash you know back when Sam Wilson first took on uh, the shield uh, in that very first iteration of sam wilson captain america there was so much backlash but it was such a good book i loved it so much and people who are complaining weren't even reading it so um i i just hope that this is an indication that there's going to be more of this to come oh absolutely and just so you guys mentioned that the writer of course is terry blass uh the penciler is in ennio balam uh the inker is victor ola 
Saba. Uh, the colorist is Carlos Lopez. Letter is VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, cover artists include Paco Medina and Federico Blee. Nice. So, um, variant covers are from Mike Del Mundo, Hernanda Sousa. I hope I'm saying that. Hernanda Sousa. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I can't wait. And it, this first issue leaves you on a cliffhanger. So uh, yeah, this is on my pull list because I want to know more. I'm excited to see LA um, in a comic book. Uh, I I just love that. And if you see the cover of Reptil Numero Uno, um, it has those little like triangle flags in the background, which we know it, they're always hanging all over like yeah. Like, Honest, it's so awesome. I love it. But um, yeah, uh, the artwork itself is really dynamic. There's a lot of beautiful colors. It's really vivid. Um, I like the little uh, details like the sweatshirt, uh, Selena de los Dinos, mm -hmm. um, how the grandpa is playing a video game. You know, yes. because one of the things that we know is that like the older generation, of course, wasn't exposed to video games, but like as people grow older, like the new generation of fathers and grandfathers and grandparents are, are gamers. And I love to see yeah. that here. Um, and also I love um, there's also another thing, another thing that is uncovered uh, that we find out about Ava. I don't want to give it away, but um there's a bad guy that's after him and after the medallion that is, uh, that actually is fused to his chest. Uh -huh. So um, we learned that, but the artwork itself, like the the scene where he rescues a young child and uh, there's a, a a use of his tail um, as he's transforming, I thought was amazing. I really love the, the movement of that panel itself. But um, yeah, I just can't wait to read what happens next. Um, so I, I'm super excited. Uh, do you guys want to add anything else, or are you guys ready to actually rate the first issue? I'm ready to rate. I'm it. ready. Excellent. So for me, I it was such a treat to read something that I can relate to in my city, um, down to uh, tasting the the taste of the tacos <laughs> while reading it. Um, uh, I'm gonna give it the whole panaderia. I know it's the first issue, but I really loved it. It really hooked me. And one of the things we talk about is how you should get hooked by the first three issues. I'm hooked at the first issue. Mm -hmm. I'm so down for this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give it the whole panaderia. That's Sarah. And what about you guys? So this is Kristen. This is the second time I've read this first issue because I shared it on one of our Tuesday night live shows uh, for the shop and recommended it as my weekly pick. Um, and I'm glad that I reread it because I actually was able to take more time to read it this time. And there were a lot of the background uh, art that I missed and the little details that I just super appreciated. And I love when I see um, depictions in my comic books of places that I have myself been and that they are accurate and remind me of what I saw when I was actually there. So for all of those reasons and for all the Latinidad that is incorporated into this book from the Spanish conversations to the, um, the family, uh, you know, inner workings and, and bad communication. <laughs> Terrible communication. Yeah. Uh, There's like <laughs> early, in the, even, early in the issue. Even um, a, um, 
a hint of the fact that this family celebrates Dia de los Muertos. Like there's so yes. many little things. And so for all those reasons, I give it three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Mm-hmm. And this is Jen. And um, I'm usually I don't reserve the three conchas for a first issue, but I agree. I'm Terry did an amazing job with this comic and with infusing uh, Latinx identity. And even like the artists too, they did a great job of uh, drawing uh, Los Callejones. And I don't think a lot of people realize uh, I did like the fact that you could always see the sky. Because that's something that is true of Los Angeles. Even when there's skyscra- the skyscrapers, you all you can always see the sky. You it's not like New York or Chicago yeah, or places yeah. like that. But the horizon is always that you can sometimes see in Los Angeles. And I really like that they captured that too in the art and the use of space. So it was really it was really well done. I loved the interactions between um uh, Beto and him uh, and his cousins and the relationships between him his. Uh, Tia and his uh, grandpa, they were all really great. So tres conchas and a cup of chaparrado for me. I'm loving that reading, guys. We love it all around, guys. So pick it up, order it at your local comic book oh, shop. Oh, yes. Issue number two comes out this week on the 23rd. Excellent. So you are still in time to pick up both issue one and two. And now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So on my radar this week is a book that came out um, this last week, which was the 17th, the 16th, one of those. (laughs) But it is the new iteration of Static Shock, which is actually just called Static um, Season 1. So if you are not familiar with Static Shock as a character, his name is Virgil Hawkins, and he is a young black uh, teenager who gets his powers and allows him to control electromagnetic energy. And um, in this particular iteration of the story, um, Virgil is participating in a protest, um, a protest against police brutality. And um, there is a chemical that the police spray on the protesters who are mostly teenagers. And this chemical has not been tested and they spray it on them anyway. And um, a handful of the protesters gain special powers. And so this story is about how Virgil is basically trying to learn how to deal with having these powers and also being a teenager and dealing with um, the craziness that comes with being a high school student uh, and learning that some of your friends and people you know also have powers but are not dealing with it as um, well as you might be. Um, They're like really being jerks with it, trying to bully people um, with their powers. And Virgil, for the most part, is trying to keep it secret and not let people know. His family knows, but not let other people know um, because the the police are still kind of like, you know, um, treating these uh, kids with superpowers um, as 
uh, as, you know, people of special interest type thing. And so this, um, so this story talks about how Virgil is trying to keep it secret, but there are some of his friends who actually know that he has powers because they were there and they saw it happen. And so um, this book is actually written by Vita Ayala, who is a queer Afro Latinx creator who goes by they, them. And they were super excited to take on this project because of the fact that um, Static Shock character um, was actually very, very revered back in the day when uh, he first came out because he was one of the first um, big major black heroes who also had a cartoon um, series. And so it was representation of a black superhero that um, a lot of people really enjoyed. Um, when I first started working at Heidi Ho, I would get people coming in to the shop all the time asking for um, Static Shock, but their books, his books had been out of print for so long. We had like old stuff on the shelf. And once those sold out, we couldn't reorder. Um, And so people were so excited when they heard that this was being released. And it's, um, it's from DC's new milestone universe uh, line. And so um, there's a lot of older characters that are coming back that people are really excited about. But I read this first number one, and I really enjoyed it a lot. I like how I never read any of the original Static Shock books, but I like how um, Vita Ayala took his origin story and made it relevant to things that are happening today. Um, The fact that he was at a police brutality protest and the fact that the police just mass sprayed these children of color with chemicals and had no regard for their safety or their life. It just really hit home when you're reading that kind of thing. So um, unfortunately there are some things that happen in this book that push um, Virgil to his limits and force him to basically come out of hiding. And we will see how that storyline evolves into the next coming uh, issues. And I believe this is a limited series. I'm not sure how many are in the series, but it definitely, um, it does have an end and is not ongoing. Um, So I really recommend you pick it up. It's really good. And it's written by um, uh, Afro Latin X creator and um, they did an amazing job. Well, I think that's not only really- that, it's been so long since a static shock comic has come mm-hmm. out. Like mm-hmm. I've been asking since forever. Like I love the static shock comic book. It was like the, not the comic book, the, the TV, sh- the, <laughs> uh, the cartoon. Yeah. That was my fucking jam. Uh, <laughs> So I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that they're making a comic series again, even if it's just a limited series. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying that uh, actually they were trying to fuse the Static Shock character with the Black Lightning character, mm. and kind of, which is, which is like a, like Black Lightning is cool, but it's not Static Shock. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they're doing something with them. Yeah, I know. And I like the fact that you're pointing out that it's relevant to today's time. So I'm really excited to read that as well. So, you know, and, and the writer seems like... Some... Vita Yala is great. 
yeah, like somebody like I would love to read more of what they're working on. So thank you so much for bringing that to the table. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for us an organization called Latinx in Animation. Um, Latinx in Animation unearths the exceptional diverse talent that exists within the animation, um, virtual effects, and gaming industries. They wield the power of art making to champion the growth of Latinx diversity in all facets of the animation industry by organizing activities and events focused on networking, camaraderie, community service, education, communication, and professional development. Uh, Latinx in animation began in the spring of 2018 when Magdiela Ermida Duhamel sought to create a Latinx community for animation professionals. With the help of Brian Dimas, Duhamel began organizing activities and events which aspired to sow the seeds of a tight-knit United Latinx family of artists. Years later, Latinx in animation now provides resources to promote and develop artists and decision makers in the animation, virtual effects, and gaming industries. Their mission is to showcase, strengthen, and celebrate the richest of Latino lives through the audiovisual event. They develop, activate, and support artists, creators, and executives through pathways and platforms for the expression and appreciation of their work. Latinx in animation represents a diverse group within the animation, VFX, and gaming industries dedicated to uniting a talented pool of innovators with a heart to create exceptional stories across multiple platforms. So to become a member, um, it is free. It's free for anyone interested in the animation, virtual effects, and gaming industries. Membership to Latinx in animation includes the following benefits. Exclusive networking mixers and Q&A events, monthly newsletters, job board and exclusive career opportunities, volunteer opportunities, workshops, discounts to animation expos and conferences, and much, much more. So you can join today by going to latinofilm.org. That's L-A-T-I-N-O-F-I-L-M dot O-R-G. So definitely, if you are interested in the animation industry in any of those um, facets and you are Latinx, you can join uh, for free and utilize this as an amazing networking opportunity. That is super cool. So if you're out there and you want, uh, you can join it for free, as Kristen said. So that's super exciting. I always like it when it's free. (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) and now it's time for en la libreria jen what do you have for us today so what i have today since it's pride month i gotta i gotta shout out the queer stuff (laughs) so right what i have uh, for everyone is Night of Alanok, a Barra Gay NSFW romance hardcover comic. Yes! <laughs> and it's already made its goal of $1,000. It's currently at $7,056 with 74 backers wow. and nine days to go. Um, but the premise is basically that uh, 
hold on. I am feeling that beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but the story is basically about a uh, lieutenant gives up on pursuing love until a swordsman from a faraway land enters his life. Nice. Night of Alamok is a slow burn romance featuring two swordsmen who have recently gone through and left abusive situations and are looking for healing experiences. It just so happens that they find compassion and healing friendship and eventually gentle love through each other. This is actually a prequel gentle story to love. one of the car- to the creator's long running comics, Ace of Beasts, uh, featuring the characters Xerxes and Osric. And uh, the creator itself is, um, um, they're queer, and if they are specifically a non-binary, um, uh, BIPOC creator. And the the story they describe is a hurt, comfort, happy ending with erotic epilogue. <laughs> Love that first sword fight book. <laughs> you had me at NSFW. <laughs> <laughs> So, please back it. It's it looks really great, and I'm really interested in if this is a prequel series. I'm definitely going to be reading their main web comic series. Um, um, the base pledge starts off at five dollars, uh, where you where you get a thank you from Men Plus Monsters, and you get a digital copy of uh, Men Plus Monsters Origins and a thanks in the digital comic the download and then it goes up to $10 where you can get a sticker and a print uh, and a digital copy of um, um, of again of the previous rewards along with a print and a vinyl sticker then it goes on to $30 and you get the soft cover of Night of Alanok and then all the previous uh, rewards uh, from that as well as well as a Night of Alanok bookmark and a pride bookmark oh, and then nice. the next the next one uh, over that is the $50 pledge which is where you get the hardcover and so you get all the previous rewards. It's just that the book, instead of being soft cover, is now a hardcover. And then um, uh, there it go- keeps going up from there with like more rewards and stuff like that. But it looks really interesting, and it looks the artwork looks amazing, and I love the premise already. I uh, like NSFW sci-fi stuff. I uh, signed <laughs> the fuck off. That it looks, it looks and sounds like it was perfectly made for me. Nice. That's cool. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to the Nuclear Power team. Uh, Nuclear Power is a comic book that is available now on Comixology and Hoopla. And it's published by Fanbase Press. And uh, saludos goes out to Desiree Proctor, Erica Harrell, and Lynn Yoshi. Um, Desiree and Erica are the co-creators, co-writers of Nuclear Power. And Lynn Yoshi is not only the artist, she is the letterer and the colorist. And her art is amazing. I totally Mm -hmm. love them. And saludos goes out to them because... Uh, I was super excited. We had a Las Platicas uh, interview that is going to be out on YouTube. So check that out. And also be sure to order their trade paperback that is in pre-order right now at uh, fanbasepress.com. Um, 
It's a great, great uh, series right now. Issue three is coming out pretty soon. So uh, you can have, you can order it on uh, Comixology for 99 cents per issue. And you could pre-order the trade paperback at uh, where you can get rewards for, for pre-ordering, where you can get some of the extra stuff like uh, some of Lin Yoshi's artwork or signed copies. So saludos goes out to them. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. And I get so excited because where can they find everything, girls? <laughs> you can find everything at www.comadresecomics.com. You can find cute pictures of us. You can find links to our um, social media. You can find our email. You can find all of our uh videos and you can find our podcast so www.comodicycomics.com check it out absolutely also uh please remember enrique rea you are the winner of our um exclusive monkish ninth anniversary can release and the first two signed copies of Lightning Strikes. And all you have to do is just email us at comadresycomics at gmail.com to claim your prize. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing to our YouTube video. And that is actually how he won this drawing. There are more drawings to come, guys. So stay tuned. Jen, where else can they yes. find us? <laughs> where else they can, can they find us? Huh? Where else can they find us? Sorry. <laughs> they can find us on our website at comadresycomics.com yes alright guys that has been the end of our episode we have been your hosts I'm Sarah I'm Kristen and I'm Jen bye guys bye bye